There was a little um, Grace Baptist Church in uh, Surrey, not so far from where my parents uh, lived. And occasionally we'd go along to this little chapel, and it wasn't very big. It would be just half the size here. But the man who spoke was by the name of uh, Paul Tucker, and he was born with a major curvature of the spine. And he had emphysema and many other breathing conditions. During the week, he spent the whole week on oxygen. But come Sunday morning, he stood up in the pulpit and he preached. And he, he could do nothing other than proclaim the word of God. And again at 6.30 in the evening, and then he'd go back to his oxygen to be able to survive for the next week. And so I've got a cold, and I'm sorry about this, folks. Bear with me, because the message is uh, important. Um, and uh, if... Uh, if we need to repeat anything, give me a shout, but we'll do the best we can. Um, the Archbishop of Canterbury did something very brave this week. The Anglican Church had introduced, um, <clears throat> his name's Justin Welby, by the way, had introduced a series of prayers that could be used uh, at um, same-sex blessing services. And the Archbishop of Canterbury publicly stated that he would be unable to use those prayers himself. And the reporter said to him, Sir, why? And he said, because it is not the word of God. Now, what we think of the Church of England, <laughs> you know, the reason I say this is because the church, and we're not talking about bricks and stone and mortar and wood and stuff like that. We're talking about people. The church is under attack today in a way that perhaps it has never been under attack. The insights that the book of Acts gives to us in the chapters that we have contained here, I think it's uh, 28 chapters, and it covers a period of uh, about 30 to 33 years but as we look and as we read through the book of Acts, we see miracle after miracle taking place, not just simply the miracles that are actually recorded in the book of Acts itself and even have been spoken of here as Joe read, and I thank my wife for helping me this morning, um, uh, that, were that were recorded. But the fact that we see something miraculous that has taken place. This church was born at Pentecost and it grew, and nothing could stop it. And so over this 33-year period, we see, I don't know if there's any uh, of the slides that we could uh, hold up. I, I was working on the principle this morning that a picture was worth a thousand words to try and help me. And uh, Darren obviously was so excited about it, he decided to... <coughs> <coughs> if we could go to the next uh, slide, I think, to start off with. So basically what happens is, is that here in Jerusalem, this is where it all began. And the darker colored areas are, are what we call the extent of the Roman Empire. But in terms of the gospel, the gospel went all sorts of places, uh, right through into India and other places, further up into uh, uh, the area that we know as, as, uh, as Russia and the Balkans and all these areas. Even right the way to England, you'll notice the Scots were left out because the Romans built a wall 
to keep them out of the empire because they weren't the people that they wanted to have as part of the empire. But the wall fell down and the gospel continued to spread. And so we discover that from Jerusalem, over this sort of period of 33 years, the church has grown and it is covered right the way through to Rome and beyond. What happened to enable the personal experience that these people had on the day of Pentecost to become solidified into life and action and motion? Because you see, there has never been a time in the history of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that it has stood still. It can't stand still. It has to continue to grow and to spread. And that's why we see all around the world now People who have come to faith in places we've never heard of, in cultures that we struggle to really understand, and yet there they are, people that have the same thing, the commonality that we have. And so that means that when we meet them and when we have fellowship together, we don't even have to be able to speak the same language. We don't have to be able to eat the same food or do anything. But we discover that we have this thing in common, which is a heart that has been changed because the Holy Spirit is living within us and we rejoice in that. I remember once uh, a man came and he was staying with my family and he was the president of the Assemblies of God uh, Church in Iran. Now I want you to think about that statement for a moment. Iran is not the sort of place that you'd put your hand up and say that you were the president of something that involved the church of Jesus Christ. And yet, he was able to do that. And he had, remember, he asked me if I could copy some documents for him that he wanted to be able to send out to other churches and fellowships by uh, email and fax to be able to be delivered into that situation and into that country. So what is it that has happened? What happened that they began to make an impact on the people and the world around them? Because we have to understand that humanly speaking, it wasn't possible. And the thing is that that hasn't changed. Humanly speaking, it isn't possible for the church of Jesus Christ to grow and to spread. If it was left to us, we're weak, we're ineffective. And however hard we try, we keep on allowing sin to come into our hearts and into our lives, and, and our witness and our testimony is tarnished. And suddenly you discover that people look at us and they say, I'm not really interested, because if that's what the church of Jesus Christ is about, I'm not interested, I don't want to be involved in that. And so what is it that enables the church to grow and to spread? And as I say, I use the word church um, uh, in interaction with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is what we describe of the church so when I say church, I am not talking about bricks and mortar, or even a tent for that matter. We're talking about people. What is it that has enabled it to grow? Well, it is the presence of the Holy Spirit living within us. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that changes us. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that gives us power, power that we could never, ever imagine possible in our lives, which means that people who are weak, people who are defenseless, people who, perhaps humanly speaking, are hopeless, are able to be involved and to see the church grow, and not just grow, but to flourish. And so we recognize that. And as we looked at last week, you remember the church growing 
in Nepal, and uh, there are many other places where this has happened. And I was reading again, we were talking of Iran just recently, a country where people are hung and put to death for the flimsiest of evidences. I was reading of a guy who was given 15 minutes to defend himself in court. He knew what the outcome would be, and sure enough it was. Sentenced to death. And yet, the church is growing. And there is now a movement, particularly amongst young people, where all of a sudden they're saying, we need something real. And the Lord Jesus Christ has revealed himself to many. They talk about dreams and visions, and I think it's a shame sometimes that we have lost sight of the way that God speaks to us and can certainly move into our hearts and in our lives. And yet it's exciting when we hear of the accounts of people uh, in Iran, uh, many Muslims perhaps, where a vision of Jesus is brought to them and they see a man dressed in white and they're able to respond to the gospel and God's word creeps in and floods their hearts and in their lives. And yes, the church might be described as underground, but I was even reading of the fact that young people can't stop talking about the gospel. Because if it's real, friends, nor should we stop talking about the gospel. Nor should we feel that we are not able to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because our desire should be one that we are able to do this. <clears throat> now it helps us to notice here in Acts chapter 2 that there are, if you like, three groups of people. And Darren, I wonder if you could put the, or three groups yeah, of people, put the next slide up, please. <coughs> so just press a few buttons and we'll carry on. So whilst Darren is looking for them, there we are, okay. Now, um, this morning when I woke up at 4 a.m. and uh, I just couldn't get back to sleep and I realized that there's some mistakes in this chart uh, but I just couldn't find the energy to change them so I'll talk you through them. But I want you to understand that as Joe was reading here in Acts chapter 2 there were three distinct groups of people that were being spoken of. And the first one has to be you and me. Because the gospel starts with a personal encounter with Jesus. It's not like you come as a, a sort of like a, you know, a group of people, all put your hands up at the same time. and that that's, God deals with us as individuals. Okay? And it has to be an individual understanding of our sinfulness. We don't copy other people, although some people do try to, but they're always found out because that's what happens. But the gospel begins with you and with me. It begins in our hearts. It begins with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So never forget that as we're talking about all the exciting things that took place here in the book of Acts. It begins with the Holy Spirit moving into your life, into your heart. I've mentioned it before and I say it again just to remind us of the imperative of this. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross. In that act, he took our sin from us. But you see, it's not that that makes us a Christian. Now you might think, but sin, that's got to be it. That's what it's all about. Well, of course, it's the beginning, but the act of us coming and becoming a believer, becoming a Christian, is the fact that our sin is taken away from us 
And then the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And so we become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit regenerates us, moves into our hearts, changes us, and begins sometimes with a basket case. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for you to put your hands up. I'll put mine up. <laughs> There's a couple of them. And you think to yourself, humanly speaking, why in the world would I choose you or you or you or me? But the Holy Spirit works in us and changes us. So it begins with me, and that's fine. But sadly today, there's this sort of understanding that, and then there's the church. And that the church is some sort of circle over here. Uh, we call it the body of Christ. And, and on a Sunday morning, we venture into the church. You know, we perhaps put on our clean pair of socks or whatever it is without, you know. <laughs> and we venture into the church and we say, yippee, I've gone to church. Look at me. Aren't I good? I've, I've gone to church because God wants me to go to church. And, and, and some of us who are really committed might even turn up twice on a Sunday. And then... At the end of the day, come Sunday evening, you feel good. Done my part. You take your clean pair of socks off and you put them away for next week. And you've done your part. Maybe you'd even venture into the church during the week. And you meet with other people. And, and some might call you hardcore. You've gone three times in a week. <laughs> and then there's this circle here. And you know in your heart that somehow this circle has to be affected. Somehow it has to be. And, and you know that because the Bible hints at it, talks about it, describes it. And so you go to work. You venture into the world. On a Monday morning, you know, Sunday you went to church, Monday morning... You ventured into the world, and when you were having a cup of coffee with someone, you might have ventured to talk to them about Jesus, maybe. But there's something wrong because the effectiveness is weak. And so we have these three groups of people, and somehow there needs to be an interconnectivity towards them. The individuals, the individuals go to church, they venture into the world, but these people in the world are outside of the church, and we know from the scriptures that we've read here this morning that there were some that accepted and believed. They accepted and they received the message, and they repented of their sin and they believed, which means there were others who didn't. And so those others are here, and I think there's a section in there. Uh, one verse uh, here, verse 43, then fear came upon every soul. And so we recognize that there was even a reference here to those people who are in the, church, uh, sorry, in the world, but they're outside of the church. Verse 43 explains that, I think. This is those who are not part of the church, those who are not saved, 
But every day the scriptures go on and tell us that individuals were coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as they responded and as they received. And we looked at that two weeks ago. Now, it's fair to say that these three categories exist today. And as I look at your faces, I can see some of you are thinking, yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? And sadly, some of you are thinking, actually, that sums up my life quite well. Because... I have come to faith in Jesus. I know he lives. I know he died for me. And in my heart of hearts, I know I'm saved. But you've gone no further. And the reason you've gone no further, and the reason that your effectiveness within the world is weak, And the reason why we have churches that achieve nothing, the reason why we have people inside these so-called churches who, when they go out, you think to yourself, I'm glad I'm not a Christian. Because who'd want to live that sort of a life? It's fake. It's weak. It's ineffective. And it's empty and it's hollow and it does nothing for me. Maybe you think to yourself, I wish with all my heart that there was more. And the reality is, is that there is more. So these three categories exist today, the church, the world, and we tend to think of them in separate circles, me, my relationship with God. I've been brought into the knowledge of God, experience of God, relationship with God. Yes, it's personal. It's about me. And this is how we tend to think. It's about me. And then we think of the church as that other circle, a community of believers. But sadly, there's no real connection. We're islands. We're separate. We have the idea of going to church, not the idea of being the church. So we visit, we go to church, and I hear a lot of people who say, I go to church. And you know what, there's a smile on their face, and it's almost as if they're proud of the fact, I go to church. So? I'd never have guessed if you hadn't have told me. (laughs) So that's why you're not around on a Sunday morning. I go to church. There are some folks in our fellowship who go to church as well. But what Acts 2 is talking about is not going to church. It's about being the church. And the difference is as far as the east is from the west, or is it the other way around? I can't remember. Brain's not working at the moment. Do you see what I mean? People that go to church are a pastor's nightmare. Because they're the ones that complain. They're the ones that are critical about the fact that they didn't know the first hymn. (laughs) Sorry about that. It's a great hymn. We should know it. They're a nightmare. 
because they're not part of the church. They just go to church. And of course, one of the dangers with just going to church is that it's very easy to not go to church. It's very easy to stay home. It's easy to have church on our terms. We're going to do it my way. But the problem is, is that my way is not God's way most of the time. And so we suddenly find that the world begins to put a pull on us. And what we should do is to have an arrow that goes the other way. Because all of a sudden, the world reaches out and it begins to pull you as an individual. And that's happening more and more today than ever before. And it's accelerating at a rate that we cannot understand. I was talking to a police officer about the internet. The stuff he told me was just so, so upsetting about our youngsters and what they're involved in. And it's secret. It's clandestine. And if you think you know your kids, go and look at their phones and their computers. Be very careful. Because the world is after their heart. And it will do anything to pull them away. And you probably have no idea as to what is going on. <clears throat> now as Christians we know that we have to have an impact on the world. We know this because the Bible tells us. Jesus made this clear. And of course this is one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit was given because without the Holy Spirit we're not strong enough to be able to do this. Because even the strongest willed person here today is not strong enough to be able to go into the world and to continuously make a difference. But with the Holy Spirit living within us, the nobody can be somebody. And that somebody is the person that makes the difference as the power of the Holy Spirit works in their heart and in their life. There was the missionary too. I think it was the Marshall Islands. I forget his name now. His predecessor had been eaten by the population that uh, he was now feeling led to go and share the gospel with. And so he packed all his stuff in a coffin. I guess he was hoping that they wouldn't eat him. But he knew that the chances were pretty slim. And when he turned up, he and his wife, it was incredibly hard. And the sad day came when his wife passed away. She contracted a tropical disease. And he had to sit over the grave for five days to stop them digging her up to eat her because that was the custom of the local people. 
After the five days, the chief came and spoke to him and said, we've been thinking about what you said. This Jesus, can he help us? The whole island was converted. And he, he did use his coffin in the end because he stayed for the rest of his life. And he proclaimed the gospel. And he did that because he had the power of the Holy Spirit living within him to enable him. The Apostle Paul made this clear. But the problem both with the church and with our impact on the world is that we've got ourselves into this Lone Ranger syndrome for Christians. I'm me. I'll do it my way. And we go around thinking that we're it. And so there's this lone ranger attitude that we have. And we don't come into contact very often with people up here. We, we sort of have our family. And we may drift into the church and drift out again. But we don't take the strength that there is in meeting together with the group of people that there should be. And I put it to you that there are too many Lone Ranger Christians perhaps even in our own fellowship, some that come occasionally to church. They don't come too often. They don't want to encourage us too much. And we're sorry for them because we see weakness in their heart and in their life. We operate on our own, and some of us have totally lost connection with what we do on a Sunday morning with what we do on a Monday morning. And the Christian life doesn't allow for that. You're not part-time Christians. It'd be terrible if the Lord returned on a Monday instead of a Sunday, wouldn't it? Could you imagine? Oh, I was hoping it would be yesterday. <laughs> so how should it be? Darren, next slide, please. <coughs> I'm going to suggest that from this section here in, uh, in Acts, this is more the picture that we see. I'm quite happy for people to correct it. Uh, and one of the corrections, I think, is that there's still some arrows that run the other way. But we'll come on to that in a moment. And so the picture that we ha now have in front of us shows where we are. But now look where you are. Okay, because you're in Christ in the middle. We're saved as the Holy Spirit lives within us. And then we find ourselves inside the church. Because we don't go to church. We belong to the church. We are the church. We're the living stones as Peter describes. And as I look out, here I'd see some wonderful living stones, all different shapes, sizes. But I see living stones that God has graciously, somehow, miraculously, wonderfully, I can't understand how, because when I meet and we hear and we talk about some of our characteristics, we're not the sort of two rocks that you'd put together. And yet miraculously, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, God works and he does that and he builds his church. And Jesus said, 
I'll build my church and nobody's going to stop me. And he builds his church. And it's still being built around the world and no one has stopped it from happening. The inner circle, you and me, this is where it all starts. That individual relationship with Jesus. Stop depending on your mum and dad for your faith, you young guys. Some of your parents can't even be trusted. Now you might be upset by me saying that, but that's the reality of it. You have to have your own faith and trust and belief in the Savior. Not what your mum and dad tell you to do. Come Sunday morning, you come because you're part of the church. And this is what will make the difference in your life. And here's the thing. You might even bring your parents to faith in the Lord Jesus. Because all they do is go to church. And you begin to see the difference. The middle circle is called the body of Christ or the church. We are not saved simply by our sins being forgiven, but by the Spirit coming and dwelling within us and making us part of this wonderful body, this wonderful building. And so there should be lots of little circles inside there, but do you know what it's like for someone like me to even make that picture? on PowerPoint. <laughs> but where are you? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Does it mean anything to you? It's relationship. I'm sick to death with people coming to me and telling me they go to church, quite frankly. Not interested anymore. Because it's hollow and it's empty. But what I am interested in is those that have relationship with the Savior. And they say, I know I belong to Him. Because He's changed everything. So you're in the church. You don't go to church. You're in the church. You're part of the church. You are the church. Jesus is the head of the church. He lives within us. And we are in his body. And it's essential that we are part of the church on an everyday basis, every moment of our lives. We never just go to church. We belong to the church. We're in the church. And next week, we're going to talk more about this because this personal understanding is so imperative and so important. Now the third circle, and some of you might be thinking, well this isn't right. <coughs> because it looks as though the church is in the world. But it is. How else are we going to attract or talk or share the gospel with people? Whilst we're in the world, we're not of the world. But now you begin to understand how the church was so effective because it 
was then able to reach right the way around the known world at that time. Because the individuals were indwelt by the Holy Spirit and the individuals made up the church and the church was then powerful because it was made up of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. And ordinary people became extraordinary people. Natural people became extra unnatural people. <laughs> and the church got up and it ran. And it continues to run. No, we've got some catching up to do here in Canada. Because the previous few generations have let it slip. And one of the ways they've let it slip is because they failed to understand that God's Word enables us to develop and grow our relationship with God. We have the instruction manual to live our lives. We have the book that tells us what God has done for us. We have an understanding from God's word that we are special to him. That he loves us. And he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And he says in here that you're strong when I'm in you, when you're in me. And he tells us how to deal with the difficulties of life that comes along. And he also tells us that whilst the church is in the world, we never conform to the world. And I think, friends, that that's one of the hardest things for us to understand at the moment. We're not here to be like the world. Churches are not meant to design programs that imitate the world. Because the world can do it better than we can. We're not here to have lots of fun. It's a serious business. It's a matter of life and death. I'm not interested in indoor pyrotechnics. Sounds dangerous to me, actually. Could you imagine the township filling out the forms? How did the fire start? <laughs> what I am interested in is the pyrotechnics of the Holy Spirit working in us. And, 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 and bringing us to life. And changing us so that instead of us thinking to ourselves, I can't do it, we think to ourselves, I can do it because He enables me. Now that's the sort of fireworks I like to see. Lives transformed and changed. And so, when we get this understanding right, we will affect the world. One of the ladies who was critical of uh, the church just recently on uh, Facebook uh, said, um, I'm a Baptist and they're not Baptists. They're dangerous. Hurrah, we've been noticed. <laughs> but it's not us who's dangerous from their perspective in terms of their way of life. It's the Holy Spirit living within us. Lisa said, I'm not allowed to mention 
Um, I've forgotten the three words now. Come on. <laughs> okay. So you woke up then. Okay. <laughs> uh, was the fact that they were amazed. Okay. But they were and they are. And people will be amazed because what's taking place is supernatural. <clears throat> Romans 12.2 And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us here this morning have got the weakest minds we could ever imagine. And every time the wind changes direction, our mind blows in a different way. And some of our young people don't know how their mind should function because they look at their parents and they don't see any encouragement. And they're lost. And you're upset because they're lost. And it's your fault that they're lost in that sense. Because you're leading them astray. By the renewing of your mind, friends, have you allowed the Holy Spirit to renew your mind? When your kids swear, where do they get it from? When they get drunk, where do they get it from? When they get caught up in pornography, where do they get it from? When they say, is God real, where do they get it from? So Paul knew all this and God wanted it recorded in his word. And he reminds us time and time again, do not be conformed, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just turn quickly to Peter. If you've got your Bible handy, chapter 1. Now I know the ladies have been working through Peter. <coughs> and I was delighted <coughs> when I heard that they were going to go over it again. A, a renewal. And then our young people on a Wednesday evening, what, what have we been working through, guys? Don't all shout at once. One Peter, okay? So where did we get to this last week? Can anyone remember? One Peter chapter... Okay. So what do we do now? They were all there. They all gave the impression they were awake. Anna, you were awake. Yeah? Okay. I think it was one Peter three, was it not? <clears throat> but I don't want to talk about 1 Peter 3 except for the fact that all the way through Peter it helps us to understand this finally all of you be of one mind 1 Peter 3 verse 8 finally now finally means Anna it means you sum up everything that's been said before so Peter had addressed uh, slaves and masters you know when you're at work and you feel like a slave and you meet the master. He'd addressed uh, wives. He'd addressed husbands. Okay. And he says, finally, all of you be of one mind. 
Let those words sink in. <coughs> Does he mean that we all dress the same? That we all cut a few inches off or stand platforms so that we're all the same height? I said to the kids, wouldn't the world be great if everyone was a clone of me? And they all went, oh. <laughs> okay? Because we are all different. But in the real church of Jesus Christ, not just the church with the little steeple on the top, stained glass windows, posh pews, but in the real church of Jesus Christ, the hallmark is that we're all of one mind. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this that you may inherit a blessing. And you're wondering why you're not blessed in your life. You're not going to inherit anything if you're not of one mind. <coughs> when you've time, read the first three chapters completely. <coughs> However, the church, the body of Christ, is in the world, and we should be an influence for good in the world. Because there's a few levels that we can have here. The satanic level is that we return evil for good. <coughs> and we see a bit of that in some of the stuff that's said about us on Facebook doesn't matter how good we try, evil is returned. So that's the satanic level. And then there's the worldly level. What is, how does the worldly level operate? The worldly level says, if you're nice to me, I'll be jolly nice to you. Connor, I, I'll, you know, you're nice to me, we've got a deal. And that's how the world works. And Randy, if you're nasty to me, then I'll come up and poke you in the eye. You know, that's the way the world works. <coughs> So that's the worldly view, the worldly level. And then there's the spiritual level, which is that I will return good for evil. Where are you? <coughs> Whether we like it or not, God has chosen believers to proclaim the gospel to people in the world. We don't have time now, but read Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. Paul explains it well. And in that section of Scripture, he includes a quotation from Isaiah, which brings the Scriptures together. You see, the inner circle, the you and I, we seek as the Holy Spirit empowers us to be part of the middle, to be the church. And then here in Acts 2, verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them added to the church added to the body of Christ 
But notice that it was only those who gladly received the word that Peter had spoken. The others were not included. But they were there. Friends, you see, if all you do is go to church, you go in on a Sunday once or twice, then you leave and you go back to your own individual circle. If that's you, you have totally misunderstood one of the most wonderful gifts that has been given to us to be actively a part of the body of Christ. And the truth is that if you're not a part of the body of Christ, you're not saved. Even though you go to church. A believer who does not seek the body of Christ remains weak and ineffective. Is there another slide after this one, Darren, I think? Uh, no, go to the other one first. So, as you know, and you've heard, and you're probably fed up with stories from Africa, but uh, um, my father used to do a lot of work on Lake Chad in the proclamation of the gospel. And Lake Chad was an unusual lake in as much as, to put it in perspective, it was about the size of Britain, but it's shrunk. Okay, But in that, those days, there were these little islands. And what was, what was interesting about these islands? Can anybody... Okay, the words are there. They were floating. So they were really a mass of reeds that had just built up. And they were floating islands. And occasionally... People would wake up in the morning and their island had bumped into someone else's island. And they met people for a little while. And sometimes they didn't like the people they met. And then they'd push the islands apart and they'd carry on drifting around the lake. If that's you in your Christian life, I feel so sorry for you. Because you'll never know the great blessing that there is in being part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never understand what it is to have a deep friendship, a deep love, a deep sense of being, belonging that we have with others. So the last slide, and this is where we finish. <coughs> the writer of the Hebrews explained it when he said, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forgetting the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. God says, meet me and meet each other. Meet me first. And then that gives you the commonality. The biggest attack on the church today is to separate us. To stop us wanting to meet together. Because if we don't meet together, we will drift apart. And we will be ineffective. And we will not achieve what God wants us to achieve because he set the church in motion 
It is his church, and we are grateful for that. I say to myself, if Zoom was around, would the Apostle Paul have used Zoom? The answer is probably. But he would still have said, meet together. The body functions as we meet and interact and we support and we minister and we love one another. Because each and every one of us is given gifts and abilities. And those gifts and abilities are to be shared as we help and work together. If you stay away from the fellowship, you will suffer. Sometimes people say to me, I'm too tired or whatever it is. If you make a habit of staying away, you will suffer. You will not grow. Your sanctification will stop or at least be weak. Other people in the fellowship will lose out because you are there for a reason. If all you do is go to church, you will suffer. You will not grow. There is no sanctification because you're not saved. If we have genuinely come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, then we cannot help but be part of the body of Christ. And everything will change. I used to travel quite a lot. And uh, Chris Crocker, who was the pastor here at this church before me, and Chris is actually coming on the 5th of February. Uh, Chris is, uh, uh, he teaches church history uh, at the Toronto Baptist Seminary. Um, he's, he's got a couple of PhDs and degrees, so if you really want some intellectual stuff, come then. But no, he's, he's down to earth. But he's coming to speak on the, the 5th. And uh, I met him once, and he said to me, he said, I'm very impressed with your wife. I said, thank you. He said, you're away a lot. She's got all those screaming kids. And she still brings them to church. Every Sunday. When she could have said, I'll stay home. It's snowing. Or it's raining. And it's cold. And I'm only here today because she made a stand. And we came to faith in Jesus. And it was Chris that led us to the Lord. Do you begin to see why it's important? Sunday is special. But every day is special for the believer. And if we're in the church, if we're part of the church, if we are the church then all the pieces fit together. And who knows where the Holy Spirit will take us if we're prepared to follow his leading and his guiding. Thank you for listening so well. I'm sorry it's taken slightly longer.